Chapman, Fix Your Funnel, and in today's interview, it's a privilege and an honor to interview an old friend. I say old because, relatively speaking, it's it's been old. Uh, Colin and I first kind of got introduced to each other back in 2009, which is ancient history nowadays. And at that time, uh, Colin was actually uh, bought like the first version of our one-click upsell and put that to work for his business. But since then, um, Colin has been a, one of our, our favorite clients because he's always given us the straight shot on how things are working or not, and we really appreciate that, that clear feedback. But Colin is uh, someone who is really specialized in working with dentists, and so I'm excited to hear what, what he's got going on in his business today. I think you should be too. Colin, welcome to the hey. to today's interview. Yeah, Ryan. Thanks for thanks for having me on here. It's a, it's a, uh privilege and and I appreciate your time. Well, you know, I'm really curious for you to share about your business. I mean, I I obviously know that you've been working with dentists for a long time and you know, I kind of stalk you on Twitter and stuff like that cuz you you put out stuff about your your videos of what you're doing and and uh you know, how you're helping your clients. And I'm always super impressed with the quality of everything you put out there. But tell the the listening audience who may not be as familiar what is your business? We help dentists, um, specialists, uh, general practitioners that are wanting to attract more and better patients, uh, the patients in the niches or, um, you know, just looking for more patients in general uh, to to attract more of the, you know, the kinds of patients that they want. Um, you know, I think in, in dentistry at least, it's in a unique time right now that corporate dentistry is, is taking over in many cities, setting up shops. Um, there's a lot of price war going on. There's certainly a lot of interesting changes in the insurance industry. And fee-for-service practitioners that, you know, are still looking for patients out there, there's an abundance for fee-for-service patients if you market yourself and have the right systems in place to attract patients that appreciate that kind of value that, that those providers uh, allow for. So you're saying that right now in the dent in dentistry, and I guess in medical in general, there's a big shift in insurance and how that comes into play. I know because um, we recently had to change our insurance thanks to you know our good president, and um, with that, I guess they include or wrap in like uh, dental care for kids now. It's forced to be part of all policies or something like that. So that's starting to throw in a, a new dynamic, I guess, then into dental as well. It is. It is. It is a certainly an, a very unique time in in the history of dentistry with information accessibility, with insurance, with you know coming out of of a a recessed period. Um, uh-huh. You know something that that a lot of guys have not been equipped to handle and and aren't sure where to go. And you know with technology changing, there's a lot of silver bullets being thrown around. Uh, we help our clients so be very navigate navigate through. Can it be very confusing when, I mean, we call it bright, shiny object syndrome, right? Oh, yeah. That's becoming a bigger and a bigger deal for for small business owners to get into. I want to cover that in just a moment, but 
before that, a um, little trivia. I actually went to school to become a dentist, but I didn't get to the dental school part. I just was in my in my uh, undergrads, was going towards dentistry before I decided that I, I didn't want to do a trade of time for money. And I figured as a dentist, and don't, hey, for any dentist listening, don't be discouraged by this. This was just my thinking. But, you know, it just seemed like I was an overpaid, uh, landscaper, just working in people's mouths and stuff. And not overpaid, but inexpensive, you know. I probably need to eat all those words and then. <laughs> <laughs> I never knew you, uh, you had any interest in dentistry. I, I, uh, uh, uh mostly, mostly, uh, you know, I, I, as a kid, I had done a little poster about the tooth, and I got a really good score on it. So I, it kind of got me in that direction. And then, you know, I, started, I looked into it. I investigated pretty hard, and I was I was all set and rearing to go, and then I got burnt out. I think it was probably because I had, I had two kids. I was married and had two children. Uh, I had a full-time job. I was building a house um, as an owner-builder, and I was going to school with a full course load. And I only... You can only do that for so long before. Obviously, the owner builder part wasn't the whole time, but it was during the second and going into the third year. So, between wow. all that, I just got a little burnt out on school. <laughs> and so, when the first opportunity came out, out yeah. I jumped in that direction. <laughs> anyway, how did you get into this business? Because that's always interesting to me is to hear that the origin story of, you know, how did you get into marketing dentistry? Because I, I don't know if. Little call-in receiver as a little boy was thinking, when I grow up, I want to, I want to market dental services. Um, when did that, when did that, how did you get into this business? Well, my, you know, I always, I, I was the techie generation and, and I was that kid back in grade school that, you know, I was the geek in high school and I, I spent all my time online and, and playing on the internet and, and building websites and, and, uh, you know, did it as a hobby, did it for fun. And, so maybe um, you did, huh? Yeah, yeah. Uh, my dad's a dentist, uh, as you know, Ryan. And um, yeah. I don't know. One day the light bulb clicked. It, you know, we I had done um, some marketing and and had done uh, Dr. Ron's website. And um, you know, one day he he referred me to a few of his friends, and and we did some work. And uh, before I know it, I had uh, hooked up with you know some guys in the industry that uh, you know some consultants, James McAnally and Woody Oaks, and Mike Abernathy and, and a few other big consultants that started referring us work, and um, you know it's it's really just skyrocketed from there and and uh, been an awesome ride. Well, so then I guess I was wrong again. I, I'm having to eat a lot of words. I'm not even have room for lunch today. Um, you did. You you basically took uh, a passion and then an opportunity and mixed those together to create your company then. I, yeah, I mean, it was, um, you know, I don't know why it didn't dawn on me sooner. I wish I had started five years sooner. I wish I had had the, uh, you know, the idea to mix the two together. But, um, you know, life, life comes in mysterious ways, so I'll, I'll take it if I can get it. Well, that's pretty neat because that, that means that um, not only are you doing something you're passionate about, which is really important. If, if I want to get help from somebody, I want to know that they enjoy doing it. Because, you know, if they don't have a passion for it, then it's going to show in their, their craftsmanship, right? But then on top of that, you're very, very intimately familiar with the, the dental world as a whole since you kind of grew up around it. Well, I think there's, you know, there's a lot of people that build websites and that do marketing. And, and you know, speaking of the shiny object syndrome, you know, the SEO and pay-per-click and local search and blogs and press releases and all the 
all the buzzwords you hear out there. And I think what what really grounds us in the dental market and in the dental marketing world is that dentists, this was something I realized early on, Ryan, is that dentists don't want SEO. They don't want pay-per-click. They don't want websites. They They couldn't care less if they had a website. They want patients in the chair. They want butts in the chair. And, you know, I think too often when I, I, I talk to, you know, new prospects or guys that call in and they've got all these shiny object things going around and moving and sometimes they're doing well and sometimes they're not in terms of how they're implementing these tools. Um, ultimately, the problem is they're not putting butts in the chair. They're not getting phone calls. And, uh, you know, as a dentist, hits and clicks on your website just don't matter. It's It's all about, you know, getting patients. And uh, well, I think that's what what grounds us in the dental market. You know what I'll say is I think Colin, you and I are kindred spirits in this topic, especially because your focus on actual the results that your your clients hire you to create, or that any business really should be focused on, at the end of the day, is part of why I feel like you can have the success you do is because you don't get distracted by the newest and latest technology although you evaluate all of them against how well do they do at your prime objective, right? And, well, I don't know, maybe it's the all those I, years of Internet gaming. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the way I, I tell the analogy is, you know, imagine you're building your dream home or you're building your, your brand-new practice. And you walk in one day and the carpenter is framing up your practice. He's He's building, framing up your house. And you look at the carpenter and he's either got one of two things. That carpenter either has a brand-new $100 hammer, I mean, gold-plated, awesome, new, perfectly balanced hammer. Or maybe you walk in and that carpenter has got a hand-me-down hammer from his grandpa that's 100 years old. Either way, you're not going to judge the success of how he builds your office or how your new home looks by the kind of tool he has. By the same token, you shouldn't judge the effectiveness of your marketing campaign by SEO and pay-per-click and all these other tools, they achieve an end. They get you the house built. But the tool themselves doesn't do anything. It just, it just, it's just a means to an end. And I see a lot of dentists that I don't think have wrapped their head around that. They, they think that SEO rankings and all these clicks and hits is the end result, but they're, they're not getting patients in the chair. And that's, that's one of the things we try to stress is that it's not about the tools. It's about what that tool does for you. Yeah, it's the economy, stupid. Is that, who's that? <laughs> is that Clinton? Yeah, but, oh, yeah. You know, Favorite quote. So if, yeah, and so, and I think that's, that's critical not just for dentists, but for, for any business owner. It's so easy to get distracted. And, you know, I, this is where, you know, I'll, I'll do an open confession here. This is where I'm often concerned about our platforms, you know, with the text message marketing, for example. That can very easily become a bright, shiny object for somebody um, if they don't have a way that they're going to be using it in strategically in their business. You know what I mean? And it's not always a fit for everybody. But mm-hmm. if the person has the strategy in place, then it can become a very powerful tool. But if, if they're getting it because it's new, because it's, you know, popular that's a recipe for for disaster or at least for failure and that focus has to always be on what's our prime objective and how is this going to facilitate getting to our objective quicker easier more cost effectively or you know more effectively in general 
And if that's not the focus, then it's so easy to get distracted. Great point. I'm glad you brought that out. So now with that, let's go into how are you getting leverage with technology in your business, either for yourself or for your, your clients? Well, I mean, internally, you know, we're we're big Infusionsoft users, as as are you, Ryan. And you know, I I, I couldn't survive a day without Infusionsoft. I mean, we've we've been with them since 2008 or so, and uh, we're so integrated now with our own sales funnel. I mean, that's that's probably the biggest piece of technology we leverage right now, and that we're also leveraging for our dentist clients is automation. It's it's not about what you can do; it's about what you don't have to do, um, you know. Ooh, I like that. Automated. Let's put that up in a frame. That's a meme. Put that on the <laughs> interweb. Yeah, it's it, you know so many. Uh, I see dental practices every day that you know. Geez, worst case, Ryan, and you see more of this than with, with your business. Um, you see guys that just aren't following up. They have no follow up. They've not. They've yeah. not done anything. You've got other guys that are doing follow up, but they got these massive spreadsheets. They've got these elaborate dry erase board grids on their wall tracking what step each person's in and manually fulfilling things and, and moving people through these stages. And it, it's it's a full-time job. I mean, they've got one person that's just dedicated or part-time dedicated to managing this follow-up funnel. And, uh, you know, it, it's, it, it's, it, it's good you're doing it. But how much is it costing you? to do this follow-up. I mean, even a part-time person at a measly, I mean, $15 or $20 an hour is still $20,000 part-time over a year. If you got a well, full-time person at 15 bucks an hour, there's, you know, probably 35 40 grand by the time you figure in, you know, workers' comp and, and uh, benefits and everything else. Well, on top of that, if you got somebody that's so sharp that they can stay on top of that, their work a heck of a lot more putting them in, on some other task other than running something that can be done without a Oh, no doubt. <laughs> and I mean, cause that's, even, that is a diamond in the, I mean, to be able oh, to yeah. find someone that's that reliable to run the system, even close to equivalent of what you can do with the software, which leads me to a question I wanted to ask you, which is what do you say to the person or what does it mean to you when somebody says this software is too expensive? I'm talking about Infusionsoft, for example. Well, I think there's two important questions to be asking. First is, what's the cost of one lost lead? What's the cost of one human error that doesn't follow up that could have been a converted sale? And for a dentist, you know, you're talking about a patient that might be worth anywhere from, I mean, a thousand bucks on the ultra low side up to, you know, a specialist or a GP doing, you know, deep disability restorative dentistry. One patient could be worth seventy-five thousand dollars. What's the lost opportunity cost of not following up? And the second thing is, yeah, so, okay, so if you are following up, how much is that time costing you? If you've got a staff member doing it, how much are you really paying them to do this? And, you know, what is the error rate with a human doing that work? Or if you're doing the follow-up yourself, how what's your lost opportunity there that you're not focused on prospecting or you're not focused on the business, you're doing menial tasks, you're running the rat race, as I call it, um, that you could be doing bigger and better things. Well, now, how weird am I that I got the chills as you're talking about that? I think you, you put, you articulated it so well that um, 
it it almost becomes where I don't know. I think if you're being totally honest about it, you're looking at it and you're saying, how can I not be making that investment? You know what I mean? And if if somebody's saying, well, yeah, but I still can't justify it, well, then we've got to look at the business, right? <laughs> There's got to be something seriously wrong with that business that you're not willing to invest into it. Because uh, the I whole point a- of a business is it makes money for you, right? So you put in a dollar – Five, ten, twenty, thirty ought to come out of it, right? Otherwise, what are you doing? You're just trading your life away. So, what were you going to say? True story, Ryan. Let me. I, I had this call this morning with a doctor. He's got a two no, and a half million dollars. Well, you want to you want to hear the story I talked to you? Yeah, let me tell you. He's got a thriving, booming two and a half million dollar practice. So money's not an issue. I talked to him two or three times. And he wants infusion sauce. He wants to implement the whole shebang. He wants to follow up and, and go through all this. We had our uh, a third phone call today, which generally, I mean, people either see the value in it or they don't, and it's one or two phone calls. I mean, I rarely go to a third phone call because usually by then I've got an answer. But I did a third phone call with this guy, and his holdup was the reason he hadn't moved forward yet is because he wanted to know what the ROI on every email and every contact, he wanted to be able to measure the ROI on automatic follow-up. And I, 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 I said to him, I said, it's kind of like what Gary Vaynerchuk said, you know, what's the ROI of your mother? What, how do you measure the ROI of always keeping your name in front of thousands and thousands of people in your market area? I mean, you might be able to send out an email blast and say, okay, I got 10 leads from an email blast. But what's the value of touching people 10 or 15 times? I, I've i never been able to measure that. Maybe you're smarter than me, Ryan. Um, you know, I do follow well, up out the wazoo, but I can't tell I, you I think what if you give that guy a little bit of time, yeah. you'll be able to give I mean, I can't tell you what numbers on that. <laughs> yeah, you, know, you, know, you will be able to give that. Email 17 on sequence on three, I, I have no idea what email 17 on my third sequence netted me profit was. I mean, that was the kind of well, granularity he wanted. Well, okay, so, and this is unfortunate for a guy of, of a man of science as they say, because um, in science, and so I'll go science on everybody here for a second, but if you follow along, this will, this is a huge business principle as well. But in science, right, the precision of the, the product of a mathematical equation is only as good as the most precise or the least precise um, element in that equation. So, for example, if, if, if I'm multiplying three times Three point four seven six five two. So all those decimal points re- represent preciseness, right? So I'm much more precise when I'm four decimals than I am with no decimals. But if I do that multiplication problem of three times four point three six five two, what the precision is set by the least precise element, which is what the three. Meaning it doesn't even matter what happens after the decimal and the other one because that precision is lost as soon as you multiplied it times the three. And so what happens here is when we're looking at, at a system that even if the system ran, ran you $600 a month, let's say, well, we don't need to know about how much each email is worth. What we need to know is did can we bring in more than $600 each month? <laughs> and if we, can, if we can bring in more than whatever we've put in, that's the, the level of precision that we really need to know. The, the like getting into into the weeds on how much any one thing is going to produce doesn't really matter 
if our least precise element is, you know, what's going on at the high, high level. And so if we look at the high, high level, it makes sense. But who cares about the precision getting down into the individual hairs on the dog's back? That's not going to make the difference. What's going to make the difference is did we win the show? You know, did the, did the thing produce more money than we put into it? And so for anybody that's, that's getting stuck in that point where you're worrying, and it's really easy to do today, isn't it? I mean, Colin, think about all the data that people have available to them that they didn't before. I think our challenge today isn't data. Our challenge is being able to interpret and use the data. And that's, that's, the, that's the real the real problem that people run into, and it, as manifest by your conversation today. The fact that mm-hmm. that guy was this doctor, who's a very smart individual, I'm sure, because anybody that's running the practice that big, you can't be a slouch. Mm-hmm. So he's running this great business, but the fact that he got lost on that just it's probably just a moment. Probably had something to do analysis with analysis for breakfast. Yeah, we yeah. we have to I be very it, careful of that. I jokingly call it the Dan Kennedy syndrome. I, I think there's a lot of of guys out there that hear Dan Kennedy, and you know how how strong Dan preaches. Um, you know, they hear Dan talk about this direct response, and everything's got to be direct response, and everything's got to be ROI and direct response, direct response, direct response, and they can't see the forest for the trees. And just like what you said, they they think that means that they're supposed to interpret what every email's worth. The individual tree value, they 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 they're not looking at the forest, what the forest is going to bring them of having an automatic follow up system like that in place. Well, Dan, and since we're going to quote Dan, let's quote him on another thing, which is, uh, "Beware the wizard, be the wizard." And <laughs> yeah, he says that, and then says with a caveat. Don't, don't beware of me. But, you know, if, if we really analyze uh, Dan's experience, Dan has some some very specific skill sets that are extremely valuable. But when it comes to the day-to-day operations of, of a, a business bigger than one person with an assistant, that's where his expertise kind of starts to dwindle slightly. Because um, if you look at the way that he's always run his business, it's, it's him plus one assistant. And if, and I'm not looking. I'm a huge fan of Dan. I'm a huge fan of, of GKIC, but GKIC under Bill's management was a totally different thing than it had been before or after in terms of what Dan was doing before Bill came into the picture and what has happened since Bill's left the picture are two totally different animals. Not to disparage yep. the current team at GKIC, but obviously that that shows that the the one element that was different between these two wasn't Dan's day-to-day management expertise it, it was bills and so the the point there being we we should always analyze the source before we totally buy into anything that they're saying so just just yep. step back you know i i believe that what happens with us commonly is we start to get comfortable with somebody and then we want more and more information from them and so sometimes we misinterpret and then take that into other areas where their expertise may not be but in, when it comes to direct response overall, I think if you can look at your whole system, that's the first place you want to make sure you have ROI. Then you go down one step below that. And as you step down further and further, the, the level of precision we have on email is horrendous, right? So if you look at an email, we don't know for sure who even saw it. We do get this thing back that says viewed. But, guys, if you understand the technical aspect of what's going on, we don't know the eyeballs saw it. (laughs) You know what I mean? The only metric that really matters when it comes to email is how many people interact with the email. 
when people click mm-hmm. through on it. You know, that's really all that matters. All the other stuff is interesting and it can serve some purposes, but it's anecdotal at best. And so the the amount of precision we have when it comes to email and its effectiveness is really pretty small if it's beyond anything other than how many people interact with it. And a lot of that is all dependent more upon the messaging. You know, there's so many different variables, so it's really difficult to even. And I know we got into the weeds a little bit on that whole topic, but I think that was worthwhile for people because, you know, it's I, that's even though that just happened today, I think what you were alluding to is that's a fairly common uh, hang-up that people will have when they do get hung up is they start worrying about these little things that don't matter because there's so much data being thrown at them. I, I do. I see it all too often, all too often. How how are you using Fix Your Funnel with your clients or in your own business today? Obviously, we know it was one-click one upsells at one point, but where is it today? Well, one-click one upsells have always been a part uh, of um, of our of our funnels. I'll tell you, Ryan, this year I looked uh, before our call today at what the one-click upsell has done for us since January 1st. And from January 1st until today, uh, we have had 33,800 and some change come through the one-click upsells only. Uh, for well, what, what was sales. the ROI on each email, though? I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, yeah, about twenty five well, to not, one. That's not a bad investment yeah. of that time because you're not doing something every day with those. You you just kind of set that up once, right? Yeah, I mean this is these are the same upsells. I mean we tweak them and adjust them. And I actually got sure. your latest version here recently, and I'm doing some split testing now, uh, which we've never done split testing on the one click upsells in the past. Uh, we just you know always had a, what I would consider a pretty good offer, and we always had a pretty good taker rate, but. Uh, we've actually uh, honed it in a little bit more, um, and we use the the one click upsell. I mean, do you want me to you want me to talk a little bit about specifically what how we're structuring it, Ryan? Would that be helpful? Sure. No, I think that people would enjoy that. Now that we were out in the weeds, let's get back into the milk and honey land. We have a. I've got a. Um, well, I've written a bunch of books, but my latest one uh, attracts more patients in the next six months than you have in the past six years is a, a about 400-page hardback printed book that for any dentist that's interested, uh, we offer a $4.97 uh, shipping only special deal. So the entryway into the one-click upsell funnel for us is uh, really kind of hidden. Um, any Anywhere you request any kind of information on our website, Brian, you get sent to this $4.97 special offer. And everybody, I mean, I, I, I don't remember the exact statistic. It's like 85% uh, of the people that opt in through, through any of our stuff take that 497 offer. Uh, I mean, well, it's a no-brainer. Oh, no yeah. Brainer. A book will ship it to you for free. All you've got to do is pay for the shipping. And that's where the one-click upsell for us kicks in. Um, after they, they buy the book, we offer them a – uh, my Secrets of Niche Marketing DVD. If they say yes or no to that, it takes them on to another offer. We have uh, our what we call our Swift Kick Marketing Super Package, which is a a combination of um, about ten books and and twenty DVDs that I've put together, and uh, that's that's an option in the upsell funnel. So, yeah, I mean for us, it's it's a a product sales oriented um, upsell. And interestingly enough, Ryan, what I've found is that 
doctors that buy the products mm-hmm. never buy consulting. Like, if I send them a $4.97 book, okay, that's one thing. Those doctors, you know, that, that's a sales, it's a, it's a sales function for us to put that book in front of guys. But yeah. if doctors buy anything with the upsells, they never buy consulting. Zero percent of the time. So even more so than making the $33,000 I did so far this year with the one-click upsells, it's also a screening function for us. And it's taking money out of that corner of the market that otherwise we would get zero dollars out of anyways. So, so that pays for your other marketing. It, it does. It does. Uh, I mean, it's, you know, it, it's squeezing blood out of the turnip, so to speak, in my mind. Well, that's fascinating because, you know, you know what I've written in, in my books on, on upsell. Normally I, I indicate it's the opposite direction, but in this situation where you're doing consulting, people that are buying information probably feel like they don't need the consulting. So that's, that's very interesting. There may be people that would consume more information if you offered that to them, but they're definitely not going to be people then that would be calling you up for consultation. Well, that's great. See, and that's what I love about Colin, and I hope you guys pick up on this, is he just approaches everything so, so, like, it's matter of fact. Like, let the facts, like, almost like, you know, the, the, was it Sergeant or Detective Friday? Just the facts, man, just the facts. You, you, you <laughs> you know, that's, the facts. Yeah, that's what my dad says to me. He, he, he uses that reference all the time, and, and our little joke between us is, is he'll ask me some question. He'll call me and ask some off-the-wall marketing question about something he's doing uh-huh. in his dental practice or whatever, and and I'll just be quiet, and he'll pause for a second. He'll go, I know, I know. You're going to say test it, right? And I say, yeah, just test it. You know, you can speculate, and you, you, can, you can guess and think all you want, but at the end of the day, just throw it against the wall and see what happens, you know? Um, and I've uncovered some pretty interesting things just – just with that approach, uh, just trying different things and seeing what will work. And, you know, it was really – we noticed the trend with our product sales last year um, with people that were buying products. We started pushing the products more last year instead of just kind of passively selling them. Um, uh-huh. And we really found – that's when we started realizing that, you know, uh, here we are 18 months in, 17 months in really to pushing the products. Zero percent of the time do people that buy products over – $100 in value by consulting services. So I get a phone call That's from a guy. That's a fantastic discovery, by the way. Yeah. So I get a phone call from, from this guy that, you know, he pops up on my Infusionsoft, and he called in, and he called into our answering service, and, and I get the message, and I look at his account, and I see he bought a bought something from us for $300 last month. I don't even return his call. I send it to, to one of my employees and have them call him. If he's a hot lead, and he doesn't fall into that category, and he has some other criteria that we look at, I'll call him back personally because I know what my – I mean, it's a numbers game, right? You know you know your percentages and, and what, what kind of people you're looking for. Um, you know, lead scoring and whatnot, we use that pretty heavily. That's that's fantastic. That's – that's. I'm glad to – I mean, like, I, I feel this way about every interview I've done, and, and this is no exception. It's just uh, – it blows me away how smart you guys are. <laughs> and to oh, well. be looking at your data and seeing those correlations and then using that to optimize your systems, I mean, that's very impressive. Congratulations. I, that's all I can say. I'm just, I'm blown away. That's great. 
Well, I, I could have done it without some, some cool software called the one-click upsell, so it's, uh, it's been really good to us. Well, you're giving me more credit than I need, but uh, now you you were also a, a send out cards client from from us early on mm-hmm. in terms mm-hmm. of using our send out cards integration. Are you still using that today, or is that something your clients use? Where does that fall in? Um, we've got a, a bunch of clients that are using it. Um, I we're personally not using it anymore, only because uh, I mean we used it for a while, and we still use it for kind of one time. Um, you know, thank you cards we'll send out or one-time deliveries. We've brought all of our fulfillment in-house, and everything we send out is much more customized than we could get send-out cards to do for us. Yeah, and people should know that, too. So send-out cards' current limitation is that you can only merge in the first name, really, into the body of the card. And for somebody that's really trying to customize, that becomes an issue. I know that in one of our past calls, somebody mentioned that they're using ZenPrint to facilitate that, but ZenPrint's limitations, they're only in the United States. They don't go international. I imagine you probably have some clients in Canada and such. We do. We do, and not just with merge fields, but we do We do some pretty crazy direct mail. Um, we've yeah. got some, some 10-inch by 10-inch postcards that we send out. Um, we send go. stuff out in Mexican airmail envelopes. Um, <laughs> we we do some weird things because I mean you got to get people's attention. You got to get you yeah. got to get it in front of the decision maker. And um, yeah, sure. you know we we do some we do some quirky things to that we found really effective. That you know you just send out cards is great if you want to send cards and put pictures on them and customize them a little bit. But once you start getting outside that limitation, um, you know it, it's just not an, an end all be all solution. But yeah, it was the. I'll say this: the the integration. Uh, we've got a bunch of clients that are using the the bridge, the integration, and and uh, love it. Um, you know, and it, what are they it using well. it for? We had a we had a great experience with it. What do, what do they use it for in their dental practice? We're using uh, the postcards to integrate into the you know their existing email campaign. So you know, day one they might get an email. Day three, we might drop a postcard in the mail to them. Uh, day seven, we might send them another email. Day 14, a postcard. Uh, and we intersperse, we drop in postcards to hit them, you know, multi-mode, multi-medium, and, uh, you know, make sure that that we're getting through to, to the prospects, the end client, best we can. Well, that's brilliant. You know, that multimedia concept is something that's come up as a theme several times. As, as I've been doing these interviews, uh, seeing the way that you're doing that with your clients in terms of not just relying on email to get in front of the person is phenomenal. Well, I want to close with a, a question that I've asked everybody I've interviewed, and the answer is always probably the most fascinating to me. I mean, great stuff throughout this call. I don't want to diminish that in any way. But what I'm really curious about to hear from you is what – success principle do you attribute your success and growth? Hmm. Interesting question. I saw a quote from Mark Cuban this morning, and it's it stuck with me today. Mark Cuban said, work like somebody's working 24 hours a day to take it away from you. And I would have to say, Ryan, that I'm no smarter than anybody else out there. I don't have a magic potion or a secret bullet or a silver, you know, the silver bullet. Um, 
I, I feel like, I, you know, I've got a, a firm grasp on marketing. I understand my clients, and I understand what my clients want, and I put in a lot of hard work to make it happen. And, um, I mean, I, I think the only secret to success is you're going to fail. And when you do fail, you just found out one way that it doesn't work. But if you quit, then you truly have failed instead of just finding out one way that didn't work. And, um, you know, shoot, I, I, I'm a big Michael Jordan fan, and I've got Michael Jordan posters in my office and, and uh, you know, loved him since he was a kid, and uh, since I was a kid, I mean. And uh, Jordan has a quote about all these shots he's missed. He's missed 900 shots in his lifetime and, and 200 and something buzzer shots and and all these all these failures he's had and the the quote ends with Jordan basically saying you'd never hit the buzzer shot if you never took the buzzer shot and I, I think that's what it comes down to you just got to take a chance with understanding marketing understanding your clientele and then you just got to figure out what works and you got to work at it until you figure it out because there's there's only a finite number of ways that you can fail. And if you just keep at it, you'll figure out the formula in your particular business, in your particular niche. And when you figure that out, then, then um, you know, you, you, you ride the wave. Well, that's fantastic. You know, I couldn't agree more. I think that and, – and here's what I want to say about Colin, too, for everybody that's listening. You can tell, and hopefully you've picked up on that over the course of this interview, but – Colin is speaking what he does. He's not just saying, well, this is a great idea. I think you guys should should do this. I can tell from the things you've done over the years, from the things you've talked about on this call, that that's not just some pretty words. That is your philosophy. That is that is the way that you live your life is never giving up, sticking to it 100%, doing it until, you know, just just that tenacious, that, mental toughness to, to get through and, and figure out the answer. And that way you never really fail at all. So thank you so much for blessing us with those words. Thank you for, you know, this whole time that you spent with us. We really do appreciate it. Thank you, Colin. Well, thank you for your time, Ryan. Shoes. Yeah, yeah. I said, don't 